New Thought Media Network. We are a global broadcast network of positive music, media, and entertainment. Inspiring humanity's evolution along the journey of enlightenment and creating a world of love, peace, empowerment, and prosperity for all. New Thought Media Network. Positively inspiring. We're both still on mute. There we go. Good morning, dear ones. Good morning. Robert with you over here. Michelle Wadley here from uh, New Jersey. And this is Ministers Talking Shit. Happens every Friday morning, 7 a.m. on the Mountain Time Zone. And Rev. Michelle's with us from the Eastern Time, East Coast Time Zone. So uh, she gets a couple extra hours of sleep than I do today. <laughs> God bless you. You are really committed. I, I don't know if I could do it at 6.30 in the morning, my time, but I probably would. You probably <laughs> would. Exactly. And before we dive in today, I want to say a big, huge thank you to Reverend Michelle, because you've been seeing her a lot the last couple of weeks on New Thought Media Network, uh, predominantly filling in my space. Uh, as I've been away uh, visiting with the Center for Spiritual Living in Kenya, Africa, and getting to know those folks over there and the work that they're doing. And you'll hear a whole bunch more about the good work that is happening in Kenya under the New Thought flag uh, in coming days and weeks here on New Thought Media Network. However, Reverend Michelle uh, was able to sit in and cover my duties a bit uh, as far as our, my on-air stuff. Uh, she was here with Rev Z on New Thought Today this past week. and We had a well, fun, lively conversation. I caught parts of that on the plane. So, uh, <laughs> yes, and uh, and was here last Friday with us on Ministers Talking Shit as well. Rev Z is off today, so uh, we thought this was a great idea to have her as our special guest two weeks run. And this is, you're the first, Michelle, first time we've had the same special guest back to back. So, well, I I figured when you were when you were skipping town, it was easy because you know you could just tap me on the shoulder for a yes, yeah. <laughs> which is uh, you know it's a good way for me to live. It's good it take taking chances and saying yes and and then figuring it out once I'm there. So yeah, it was good to do. And and even last week the converse I didn't realize this is basically a half hour show and I thought it was an hour and we're in there we're talking and he goes oh we're over time I went. Oh, <laughs> so it was fun. It was fun. We we did have a we did have a lovely time. Good. So Glad thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah. And, and my my cohort on Sunday night, I wasn't feeling well. And she she did a solo show, my my cohort and partner, creative partner Kathy Duca. So she um, you know, kudos to her for pulling that off uh, on her own and uh, her first time. Yes. It's yeah. it's always interesting when your co-host can't make it to a show. 
you know, we, you know, we talked about not doing it. And then she said, no, you know, I can do it. I'm like, okay. I mean, it's not like she, the woman can't talk. Believe me, she can talk. <laughs> we can talk for hours, but talking without feedback, that's, that takes, that takes much more. Cause I remember I used to feel the pressure of that on the Rev Jersey girl show when we used to do it. So good morning, Dana. And good morning, Wayne. I'm glad you guys are here. Absolutely. So, um, and, um, and before we jump in, let's do a quick plug. Uh, Reverend Michelle's Sunday night program is called Divine Inter Interventions. It's a white weekly psycho spiritual approach to everyday happiness and happens at uh nine o'clock Eastern. Is that correct? Yes, nine o'clock yeah. Eastern. We have so which much is great because now that I left my pulpit, the one thing the one thing I wasn't paying attention to is that when I was in the pulpit, it means I get up in the early morning and I work with my prayer partner and then I go to work. And then usually after a service, I like to come home and crash. Well, I couldn't crash. I couldn't get <laughs> I had to stay looking like something. I had to stay, you know, up. So now. I get to just be fresh at nine o'clock at night, which will be fun. <laughs> there we go. Beautiful. And I did want to add that one as well. Congratulations. After 22 years at the helm of Center for Spiritual Living North Jersey, Rev. Michelle has uh, retired from the pulpit. Now she's not retired from ministry. Uh, no. We know she's still got a lot of work left in her. Uh, however, she has retired from the pulpit. And, you know, yes. at Spirit would have it. Uh, I I was in Africa and uh, we did have some, you know, Africa is not exactly a, a uh, it's not exactly technologically absent or anything. You, you have internet and you have access to internet. And I mm -hmm. opened up my phone the one morning and sure enough, your beloved Neil, uh, yeah. I don't want to say he took your job, but because uh, we no, all know. But he, he, he's filling that space and he's, he's loved. He is, um, you know, he, you know, he's a very likable guy by far. He has way more patience for many things than I do. Um, and I, I think he's going to do a great job. We're doing offering an installation, um, on March 3rd, which is also interesting because it's the day of my re my retirement party. So on that day, I'm installing him. We're honoring another minister, uh, and, um, a, a woman, Reverend Evelyn Bourne. Um, actually, he, too, we never celebrated him at the center because all these things happened during COVID. Right. So many things. You know, COVID, it's when I got, I got my doctorate during then. He got his, his ministerial license then. Uh, Reverend Evelyn got her ministerial license from Ilana Vincent School don't remember what that's called. So we have all these things to celebrate. And now it's like, okay, I'm leaving. Let's do this. Let's install you and celebrate you. So it's going to be a wonderful day. Yes. All right. Amen. Amen. I just realized I need to see if I can uh, hitchhike, a hitchhike a ride to Jersey for the weekend. Uh, uh, that would be so much fun. <laughs> Now, however, we are here to talk about something a little more uh, serious than just the coming and goings of yeah. ministers moving around from pulpit to pulpit. Um, I, I had lost track when this story actually happened, when the story broke about Ethan Crumbly. Uh, and uh, to catch everybody up, this is a school shooting story 
that happened in Michigan back in 2021. Uh, Ethan uh, shot four students. He has been found guilty of all of that. However, um, the interesting twist in all of this is that both of his parents were brought up on manslaughter charges. And involuntary manslaughter. Yeah. Yes, involuntary. And his mother was found guilty this past week and sentenced just a couple of days ago. Um, I've been scrambling to catch up with the story a little bit. So Rev. Michelle, why don't you catch us up? Well, um, it's I mean, you 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 put it, you know, you told it in a nutshell. That's what we're looking at. But the the thing that has my attention is um, the implications of this, the, the ripple effect. And, and by no, by no means am I here to say that I think it's right or wrong. I'm, I'm really not, but, but this is a fascinating new um, direction. I mean, we had, this has not happened before. And so the the ripple effect it's it, i could get i could get annoyed about one part of it i'll go there in a minute but the ripple effect of saying or or holding parents um responsible is going this this is going to change things this is going to serious change things this is going to seriously change our parenting our sense of responsibility um it, 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 it's it's a wake up call it's a very serious wake-up call. And I just want to put the pinpoint, I want to put a pin in this. I'm also deeply concerned that we, the public, are going to get so caught up in what in this, this aspect of it that we don't stop to also talk about gun control and the NRA. You know? Yeah. And, it, you know, I always feel like I, I always feel that I have to res- to be responsible. I have to say I grew up in a house of guns. My father, my brothers were hunters, marksmen. There was competitions. I shot a gun often as a young girl. It was what we did. Always responsibly, though. There was, you know, always responsibly. So I'm not a, I don't say you shouldn't have guns, but come on. Um, so but back to, you know, back to Jennifer. I mean, if you saw the video of her face when, when even, and in the, the face of her lawyer, they could not believe, they could not believe that it, it went in that direction. They were shocked. Some of the reports that I've read and I've seen um, indicate that, uh, and again, all this is biased because of whoever's writing it, but that there was no remorse. There was no remorse from Jennifer in in the fact that four people lost their lives and in many ways and i'll share my perspective as a mother as a parent i i find it tough to not know when my kids have it's it's you can tell when your kids having a hard time you might not know what to say you might not know what to do you might be unclear on how to best help your child you might not want to see your child go to a facility for a few days to get clean and in the head and clear. But we have clear indicators that this young man was, was suffering, was seeking help, was uh, there's journal entries where he decried that his parents weren't helping him uh, with his mental concerns. The day of the shooting, um, the, the notes in his, 
in his notebook at school uh, indicated that he was having suicidal ideations and 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 crying out for help. Um, I, I want to agree with you that I don't think it was involuntary. I don't think it was negligent of her to allow her son to understand gun culture or participate with guns. I think it was irresponsible to buy a 15 year old their own gun and, well, I, and a gun should was, be locked it should be locked up right it shouldn't be available yeah. it shouldn't be out of the the the, the, the <laughs> come on but you know i, I want to say though and you know you know what i do for a living you know that i'm all about emotional health so i'm always looking i'm always looking at what what um what causes someone to be a certain way? What what is the what is the motivation? And when and for them to say that she didn't have any uh, remorse, my guess is that her lawyer was probably telling her. I mean, if she was too empathetic, my guess is that would have just leaned her more toward yes, I'm guilty. Mm. So I'm wondering how much of that was authentic and how much now. Trust me, it looks like that. I looked at the boy, just looking at the boy, because when someone's not mentally well, they their features change. You know, there must be science about that. Um, and so you could look at him and say, "Well, you know, if I if I saw that boy in the street, I'd be saying, oh, I I might not feel threatened by him, but I would look at him and say, oh, this this child needs help. This you know, there's something up." But um, I, 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 I can't, as a mother, I can't imagine. As a mother of three sons, especially, because I don't know if any girls have ever been. We ever had any girls that do any school shootings? Um, there is one, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I forget the story. Um, and uh, that young woman was killed in the incident. I do know oh. that. Um, and that was... I can't remember exactly when and where, but it was in the last within the last year or so. Um, I remember, I, you know, I have I have three sons, and I had one son that was I love him dearly, and I always call him interesting. That was that's my respectful word for some of his old behavior. And uh, one time he came to his father and I, and he said, and he was fifteen. I want to go to Woodstock. It was the it was the anniversary. We're like, oh well, no, you're not going to Woodstock. Little <laughs> little did we know he had had it all organized. He had already put everything in place. I don't even know how he got there, to be perfectly honest. And we're standing right. in the house, and he's telling us, and we're saying, no, you're not. And in the middle of that chaos, he ran out of the house, jumped on his bike, and even though we went after him, we were not quick enough to find him. So. I got really worried because I didn't know what was going on. And I called the cops and I said, um, I need to, I need you to help me find my son. I don't know where he is. Big mistake. So they did, but they didn't find him. And then they said, please call us when you come back. So I did. And what I didn't know is that they arrested him. They arrested him because he had run off. And what, so what I learned early that as a parent, and I did not this kind of stuff with Jennifer Crumbly, but as a parent, I'm responsible, and and I'm responsible for for making sure that I know where my child is. And had I not had I not taken steps like that, 
they were going to lean on me. Now, of course, it's a completely different story, but I agree with you. I have always felt responsible as a parent. You know, it's my job. That's what we're doing. We're raising our children. Yep. Well, and you hit on a really, really, I believe, really important point there is the the police criminalized your son for what is part of growing up, pushing back against our parents, believing that I'm I'm old enough to know better. And obviously he went to the trouble to figure out how to get himself to to the event and, and had everything in place yeah. that that natural. Well, OK, I'm doing it anyway. It. But to criminalize that behavior. So I can see how that now I haven't seen any of that in the reporting. However, so as a parent, it's really it would be equally tough to say, okay, let's just call the cops and put my kid into the criminal justice system because that's a whole different ballgame. And there's a it's so were they protecting their son by not reporting him? to authorities by so again the distrust for the police um the way the police handle things these days i don't know that i would call the cops on my kids for anything either because that's a lot much longer road than if i can try to help my kid or if i can get my kid sit down with them with a counselor or someone outside of the law enforcement industry right right. if Uh, there's any by the way, if there's any parents listening in, if you have a question or make a comment about this, we'd love to hear from you. I see the, the the banner is saying it, but I'd like to know how you feel. If you as a parent are you know paying attention, what does that mean to you? How does that change your relationship? Now, of course, I mean, I guess the legal age is 18 where you're no longer responsible. Is that right? Correct. Yes. Unless they would, uh, sometimes children will, they will, um, what do you call it? They sign a paper that says they want, they want to be Um, an adult. Emancipate. Yeah. Sometimes they'll emancipate early. So I guess that leads me to. And that's a, you can't emancipate on my understanding, at least until you're 18. Oh, no, 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 no. You can emancipate. No, you could do it sooner. They could do it like 16. I and I guess it's not it's the same everywhere. But no, that's the whole point of emancipation. It's saying, I don't want to wait till you decide that I'm old enough. And it's a very serious thing that, that you know, what, what, that's a serious decision. But um, I just, I, can't, I don't know. I have compassion and I'm horrified and I'm relieved because I think, okay, for decades, you know, the internet has been saying parents have to be responsible. We have to be responsible. Well, this is going to cause a. This is going to cause quite the shakeup. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. going to cause quite the shakeup. Um, and I know it's not a direct corollary, but my mom, my my parents bought me a car before I was an adult when I was sixteen. And as much as they gave me great advice and really, um, really tried to keep me away from the whole concept of drinking and driving, as a 16, 17-year-old, you have a car. And in the age I grew up, it wasn't hard to get to get a beer. And, and were they negligent? Was, it, 
I know people that did that crashed their cars and killed other kids. And we hear those stories all the time. So I understand. And I, I want to be very clear to anybody watching guns and alcohol don't mix. And it's not a direct cars correlate. and alcohol don't mix. Yes. Um, <laughs> and it's not a direct corollary. I right, so right. alcohol and cars and gun violent don't aren't a direct corollary. However, we are we have now opened that slippery slope is every parent as good mannered or good intending or doing everything they possibly could let's take your son going to woodstock if he had gotten involved in something and glad it didn't but where someone died could you then be held accountable for manslaughter because you didn't do enough to stop him because you yeah. didn't do enough to get the keys away from him before they went out on a Friday night. It's a, it's a very slippery slope for parents uh, and kids and teenagers. And, you know, you know I, I keep saying kids. I want to be clear. Young adults, younger or not quite adults. It, it, like right, they're right, really right. an adult, but they have the, for the most part, the understanding of, of adultness, of adulthood. So, and, you know, Robert, I wonder too, where, this is not about placing blame. It's going to sound like I am. I'm, I'm really having a question. It's really a curiosity. So did the school not see the condition of this child? I'm calling him a child now because to me, 15 right. is a child, you know. Did they not see that? Like, and so where's, Where's that responsibility also? I, I'm because yeah. they they have him many hours a day. Um mm -hmm. well it was right it what in this case it was the school that called in the parents. Right. Right. And, and in this case, I mean there was that that's another part to me that hit me the most when this first happened is so the school found a notebook with violent writings and a gun and bullets or no, sorry, they didn't find the gun. They found the notebook and called in the parents. Jennifer wasn't. The, but this is the day of the shooting. This is the day of the shooting. They had him in the office with a book saying that he had with suicidal ideations. I'm trying to find it here in, in my, my research from this morning um and they let him go back to class the mom said it was no big deal and didn't take him home didn't like you're coming home and we're gonna put that gun under we're gonna find the gun and, so they didn't know he had the gun but there was a problem with a teacher had overseen saw over his shoulder some writings in his notebook they called him into the office they called in jennifer she kind of dismissed it all and they let him go back to class and then he then he pulled out the gun and, and uh, eventually took the life of four other students there were they had that was the one that hit me the most when this story broke was you got to be kidding me you let the kid go back to class like I, come on I, we're gonna I, go I, to therapist we're gonna go make sure that gun's locked up we're gonna go have a family talk for the we're afternoon gonna, we're gonna call in a therapist we're gonna get you some help yeah <laughs> immediately right. 
Well, you know what? We, we've been, this country, we've been talking about mental health um, issues now publicly in a, in a big, in a big venue for, for many years now. I mean, obviously it's always been a need. Um, it's now more in the, in the public vernacular than it used to be, um, which is, which is where it should be. Um, and again, now we need to up our game. Now, I don't know that we can hold the schools responsible. They have too much to think about already. This is a different situation, but and the thing about Jennifer, I don't think by looking at her and watching her behavior and listening to her, I don't think she had the capacity to recognize to recognize even the issue as much as it was. Because if you are if you are emotionally challenged, I don't think we can anticipate or expect that that person who is emotionally in a pain and emotionally challenged to recognize it in her son. And that's not an excuse again. That's like, I don't think she had the capability. Very possible. Um, A friend of ours, I believe this is Linda Plasters uh, and Facebook just isn't recognizing you, Linda. Sorry. Uh, naturally, teenagers push boundaries. That's the component of growing up. Absolutely. Parents need awareness and they need a village yes. to support them and their child. And that's that's one thing we don't know in this. We don't know if Jennifer had um, had support herself. So, yes, I agree with you. Sometimes we are blind to our children's challenges because we love them so much because it's not my kid. My kid wouldn't be suicidal. My kid would, I've brought my kid, I've done my job. My kid's, you know, okay. And my kid wouldn't be cutting or any of that kind of stuff. And we can lose sight of that. And so did Jennifer have the support of friends, family, relatives, neighbors is, was there and perhaps this is a drawback of our technological age is, is uh, it's, it can seem tougher to have that sort of village type mentality. Well, I, not, my, not my kid. I, I don't care what your kid's doing. Cause it's not my kid. And, and I, and I don't have the, I don't have the ability to reprimand your kid or you're going to shoot at me. So I'm just going to keep my mouth shut and keep going. And call me old fashioned, but we're way, way away from the day when neighbors really did not only look out for, but they would discipline a child. And I remember growing up, I remember thinking that, well, that's ridiculous. You're not going to take care of my child. But the fact is, back in the day when I thought that, I was wrong, you know? And um, we... (laughs) It's the it's the separation and the space that allows these kids to to move through those spaces and to and and to have these opportunities to do this stuff. I mean, parents, we've got to do better. We've got to do better. And um, my lock, lock up those guns. Lock up the guns. Yes. Um. <laughs> I rem- I knew as a kid that if one of my friend's parents saw us, my parents would know. Now, I also knew that they weren't allowed to hit me, 
Right. And, right. and that's not what we're advocating here. We're not advocating physical discipline of other people's children. At all. But, right. but we knew well, very well, that if my friend's parents saw me doing something, whether I was with them or not, my folks would hear about it. My kids knew. And this is one of my places where I like to advocate for physical, spiritual community. Yes, because yes. we brought our kids up in a healthy church environment where the parents of other kids in, in the same age range, everyone in our community knew that you have permission to stop my kid if they're doing something wrong. Right, you have my right. permission to sit him in the corner to hold, the, you know, not physically again, but to, to keep them until you could get to me, to support them until we could get to a resolution, whatever it might be. I, I wonder how much of that is still is really still happening. And and here's the thing: if if we have instilled in our children natural natural sense of morals, natural sense of discipline, which is not an easy thing to to instill in your child. And the school that my one son went to for nine years, they were brilliant at it. They were brilliant. And um, I'm going to call out her name because she just has a she she just published a book which talks about the philosophy of the school. And her name is Joanne White. And I learned from her a long time ago that instead of threatening your children, that the discipline should be immediate without warning and like meaningful. So what happens is you don't say to your child, if you do that again, no, no, no. They do something and you respond. And I'm saying respond, not react. They do something that's, you know, outside of the, the rules, the limits, whatever. You, res you respond immediately without warnings, not making them wrong, but you discipline them. And this way they can learn self-discipline. And this is how this, this is how this turned out in my son, my middle son, um, big boy, played football, had football friends. He never really brought them home, and I never understood why. And 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 it wasn't until years later when I said to him, you know, how come you're not in touch with those people anymore? He goes, Mom, they're a bunch of a-holes. You wouldn't even like them. I went, oh, son of a gun. But I'll never forget. It was a Friday or a Saturday night one time, and he was out with them. And evidently, they were venturing to do something where he knew they were going to cause trouble. And he called me up and... In code, I could tell he didn't want to be there. He, did, he couldn't say it. He tried to keep face in front of his friends, but he conveyed the message to me, get me out of this, Mom. And yeah. I went and picked him up. And uh, I don't even know what happened, but there was some kind of fussing going on, but he didn't want it. He didn't want to be part of it. It's like, And I credit the school he had gone to with having the discipline to recognize cause and effect. You know, do you want to live with the with the cause that of this of this this decision you're making? What do we yeah. have here? Uh, I think Linda's mostly agreeing. Taught her yeah. children as well. Uh, went at a friend's house. Their rules apply. If you're uncomfortable, call me. And it, we had a case in, here in Colorado um, over the last year or so where uh, four teenage boys um, were at a Walmart. And they were picking up the landscaping rocks and good size rocks. Okay. And putting them in the back of the car. 
some adults saw this but didn't report it didn't say anything and again i think there's that piece of i don't want to get the kid into trouble i don't want to get the kid involved with the police but they were then were spent the evening driving around the rural areas of arvada throwing rocks at cars while driving oh. One of those went through the windshield and killed a 19-year-old woman instantly while she was actually on the phone with some friends. And the only reason they found her that evening, because her car veered off into a very dark field and was far enough away from the road that the lights weren't reflecting. The only reason they found her is because the phone call dropped in the middle of a sentence and they were able to track her phone. Wow. Three of those four boys are in jail for the rest of their lives for these incidents. Because it, And it wasn't just one. There were multiple reports of vehicles damaged by flying rocks that what, day. What? 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 <laughs> it's the, and it's the fourth boy that said no. It was the fourth boy that said, I don't want to be a part of this. It was the fourth boy that stepped away from the peer group and i know how hard that can be oh man and went back into walmart and called his folks and his folks came and picked him up that's how easy it is that's and how that, easy it is and that young man is i imagine going to be an advocate or and and it affected his life and impacted yeah his life yeah. but the other three have been found and are I've already been charged, have already been tried, and are spending the rest of their lives at age 17. Oh Lord have mercy. This is the thing, parents. Life. This is the thing. They they don't know. They have they're stupid. They have blind spots. I know I think if we had a therapist in here or a psychiatrist, they or a psychologist, they'd be able to tell us, you know, talk about the brain. I, I know I've heard some things about, you know, the, the development of the brain and the and the inability, especially with boys that develop later, the inability to to have the cognition of some of their their stuff. As a parent, we are saving our children from themselves. That's what we're doing. We're saving them from themselves. So too bad if they don't like what you do. So too bad if they don't think you're the best parent at the in the world. When they're when they have children, they're going to thank you. When yep. they have children, they will thank you. But yep. before that, you know, it's not your job to be liked. It's your job to keep your children safe and disciplined. And that's that's my opinion. And yeah. it's hard job. And if you don't want that job, don't get pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right? No, I'm with you. Absolutely. Right. I mean, and, there and are some people who shouldn't be parents. Right. And if you're not ready, then take responsible steps right. and, and don't get pregnant. Um, <laughs> on either side, don't participate in a pregnancy in getting someone pregnant. If you're not ready to take that responsibility. Right. right. You know, um, I want to say John Stewart, who I've always been a huge fan of, uh, yeah. made his return to the Daily Show this past I'm Monday. Thrilled. Um, and I don't know if you got a chance to see the spot, but uh, and it's on YouTube. Go check it out, folks, because his whole piece is around responsible gun 
ownership, responsible gun legislation, not taking people's guns away, but actual responsibility. And he made a great point. He said, you know, back in the 80s, somebody threw a rock off of a, of a highway overpass and killed someone. And now every bridge in America makes that impossible. Right, those big every bridge has the yep, he called it a habit trail, but every bridge has that response has that of uh that protection. And uh in the 70s, one teenager drove under the back of a truck and died, and now every truck in this country has a protective bar down there to make that not available. And we still are in a place as a country where we're not collectively willing to take a look at what is going to be necessary for responsible gun ownership. Well, until, until the politicians are not making money until the, the lobbyists are not making money off of keeping the uh, guns available until that stops. Yeah. You know, um, I think that's the dirtiest word in America. Lobbyist. I wouldn't be embarrassed to be called a lobbyist. You know, I I know somebody who used to be a lobbyist, so I'm going to be careful here. You know, that's fair. I I know they have their role, but I when I don't want to get I don't want to get all worked up. Right on. (laughs) There is room. There is room for protections against government overreach. Yes. Um. I don't I don't see lobbyists in that light myself. Maybe that's one of my places I can still grow a bit here, but but ultimately you know, we we're almost to that point folks where we're going to run out of time here shortly. So I uh, I think that this is this story points us in a few different directions. And as every story we cover, it's multifaceted. There's so many things going on here from the fear of the police system and, and the justice system to uh, personal responsibility to at what point are we truly, can we say, I'm not really responsible for what my kid does. They're going to do it anyway. They're going to get a, a beer in their hand anyway. If that, if I don't buy them the gun, they're going to find a gun somewhere. If I don't, if I don't support them in learning how to manage these parts of their lives, there's somebody else is going to teach them. If I don't, I've had parents say it, you know, if I don't teach my kids how to smoke, who's going to somebody else on the street, all these different things that at what point do parents at what point does that happen where parents truly are no longer responsible? There's no hard, fast answer in any of this. But what I do believe is we have right here in the science of mind, we have right here in the new thought movement, the tools that are necessary to figure out these questions. And, and you know, uh, you know, because I, you see me on Facebook all the time, I am a, in a ridiculously involved uh, grand, grandmother. My children, yes. I, I was, you know, I drove them to school this morning and, and you know, my granddaughter, she wanted to watch America's Got Talent on YouTube. Well, I'm not going to let her watch YouTube unless she's in front of me. Because what I know is that one video rolls off into another. I'm I'm going to pay. Re- and the truth is, I made them shut it off because I don't. You, you didn't come to me for an hour to have screen time. 
you know, talk, and I said to them, shut off the screens, talk to me, let's talk. So of course my eight-year-old grandson comes running in for a hug because that's how he is. But we have to monitor what they're watching. We have to monitor all their screen time. Um, if you're going to give your child a phone, give them a phone that's limited, limit, really seriously limit. If they're going to have any kind of screen time, limit. I mean, yeah. They don't have to watch regular television. They can watch streaming, and you can put all sorts of parental controls on there. Talk to your children. Have dinner together around the table. Ask questions. How was your day? What you know? Tell me. Tell me what happened today. You got to engage, 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 and be. You know, there's there's a woman I've seen her before. Um, she's a life coach of some kind, and she talked about. You know, she she was saying, I, I'll tell you one thing that parents should do all the time when your children come home. And she said, it's to act like when you don't when you come home. If you have a dog. Yes. Yep. If you're gone for five minutes and you come back, your dog is like this. Right. Do that for your kids. Be that yes. way when your kids walk in the house. Be light. Let them know that their presence lights you up and let that light light up inside the children. We got to do better. We've yeah. got to do better. And we can with large effort and with small efforts and, and do your yep. own personal work, do your work. You, uh, my wife and I arrived home last night after two weeks away and uh, my father was here with with my daughter for for the two weeks and um and we got yes we knew the dogs would just be out of their minds that we were back after two weeks um but it was really refreshing that for my daughter her big she was there too yeah and she, helped, the and she helped and she helped bring the bags in um but then there was that half hour of cuddle time on the couch yeah. and uh, both my wife and I were are have have gotten that that I'm so happy to see you and how was school and how is and after my mom after my wife and my daughter had their time then it was my time to sit down and say okay so what happened with crew and what happened with this and and how was this part of your time and what was it like having us gone for that long and what was it like being with grandpa for that long and the be involved never be too busy for your kids yeah um never be too and and again i don't want to say that jennifer wasn't involved with her son um obviously she was she bought him a gun um but be involved with your kids in a way that lets them know they are valued they are loved and they are important on this planet uh it, it's going to go a long way for all of us and, and one more piece, you said it before, and I'm just going to reiterate it. There are spiritual, well, if you go to church, go to church, be involved in the church. Don't walk in and out of that church and just do your due diligence. Be involved, be involved, expand your community. You know, um, I mean, I, I, I really believe that it's my third son that I raised primarily alone, it was being involved in the centers for spiritual living 
I mean, he walks into the door now every once in a while and people are like, oh my God, that's Seth. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. There's a little Buddha. They had all sorts of nicknames for him. <laughs> so he was part of a community that recognized him. And even my, my middle son, my older son wasn't living here at the time, but even my middle son, you know, they've, they've watched him mature and become a father. Like there's something about community that will guard us when we need it and support us when we need it and provide love when we need it. But you have to take the step to enter and to identify a spiritual community. We, this is not a big mystery. Um, if you need, and if, if you need help, ask for it. Yeah. For Reach it. out to us. All right, folks, that is all the time we have for today. Thanks for being with us here on Ministers Talking Shit. We'll be back again next Friday uh, and stay tuned throughout the day for all of the programming here on the New Thought Media Network. On behalf of myself and Reverend Dr. Michelle, we want to thank you for being with us this morning. Until next time, we wish you peace and richest blessings. Bye now. Bye. And thanks for listening to this week's episode of Ministers Talking We'll be back again next week with more commentary on current affairs, world events, and any other our ministers want to talk about. And if you found value here, please share our with your friends. Until next time, peace and blessings.